Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Invest Like a Billionaire podcast. I am your co-host, Ben Frazier, joined by fellow co-host, Bob Frazier. And we're coming today with a top of mind episode. So this is uh, one of the segments that we do on the show that are kind of a little bit more short and focused on one particular topic and usually something that we see in the news or a question that we get from investors or something that is kind of newsworthy or noteworthy right now. And so that was kind of brought to our attention just a few days ago, about a week ago, actually, uh, was a journal that was on the front uh, or an article that was on the front page of the Wall Street Journal um, talking about a crowdfunding platform uh, that we're very familiar with and a lot of you are probably familiar with as well called CrowdStreet. And uh, it, it's a very interesting write-up. And you can see here, I pulled up in the back behind us, uh, the, the title is Missing Millions and a Rabbinical Arbitrator, uh, Real Estate Deals Gone Bad Hits Popular Crowdfunder. And so it's a really interesting, um, it's, you know, kind of the, the Wall Street Journal did an exclusive on this, digging into some of the deals in the platform. And it was really interesting because we had both independently, uh, Bob and I, had experiences with CrowdStreet over the past several years there's always some kind of just some checks some yellow flags that we had. And it's interesting to see some of this. So do I share a little bit of just what the article highlighted? Definitely, if you haven't read it, go encourage you to go read, read it right yeah. now. This is the Invest Like a Billionaire podcast, where we uncover the alternative investments and strategies that billionaires use to grow wealth. The tools and tactics you'll learn from this podcast will make you a better investor and help you build legacy wealth. Join us as we dive into the world of alternative investments, uncover strategies of the ultra-wealthy, discuss economics, and interview successful investors. Looking for passive investments done for you? With Aspen Funds, we help accredited investors that are looking for higher yields and diversification from the stock market. As a passive investor, we do all the work for you making sure your money is working hard for you in alternative investments. In fact, our team invests alongside you in every deal so our interests are aligned. We focus on macro-driven alternative investments so your portfolio is best positioned for this economic environment. Get started and download your free economic report today. You know, this is the kind of thing that scares a lot of investors, right? This is yeah. a lot of people don't do private alternatives. It's like, well, how do you know you're not going to get get ripped off, you know, and and uh, and CrowdStreet didn't necessarily rip people off, but they did do due diligence. Yeah. And so there's a couple of deals that says they raised $63 million for a company called Nightingale to do real estate development. And it turns out that they didn't do any. And and literally the money has disappeared and it's- No properties were purchased. No so property they raised purchased. $63 million of, of investor capital and no properties purchased. And I think around $100,000 left in the account right now. <laughs> And and now and then it's apparently the the part of the agreement was that everything was arbitrated through a rabbinical courts and so now they've got to go through, you know. So the, the chances of investors getting their money back are probably very low, um, you know. And then another deal they they did with with a company that was that was under that was had been accused of fraud by the SEC and they never double never checked this and um, so they raised money and. Uh, and they also point out in the article that a number of the deals that these guys have done, you know, some of the, some of them do well, they've done better, but but some of the people have not gotten their money back. I think it was around up in 20% of the cases, if that's right. Yep. And um, so, uh, you know, not good. I mean, this is the kind of thing that, 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 really, that really scares investors. And 
And now I personally had an experience with CrowdStreet. So, well, before, before you say that, share the other piece of this that's highlighted in the article where there was an issue that was flagged when they did review the track record of, I forget which, oh, yeah. which sponsor it was, but <laughs> share that. So, so they literally edited the track record of this of the spot of this real estate sponsor to eliminate two bad deals mm-hmm. so they would show only the rosy deals and yeah. and so they eliminated one where they they had a 25 million dollar default and another one where they lost a building to a lender so this is the deals where they gave back the building to the lender yeah. presumably investors were wiped out and the other one was where they defaulted a 25 million dollar default and crowdstreet simply eliminated that from They didn't even bring it up when didn't they showed the deals. And, and then when they're interviewed for the article, they said, oh, we didn't think that that was relevant, that investors would want to know that. It wasn't essential to the investors. It wasn't essential to the investors. Like, hello, you wouldn't want to know that there was a default and that these guys, you know, gave a building back? I mean, you know, now, now, the, now the truth is, you know, there's going to be, there's you're ne- all deals are never going to work out. But you want to have, you know, you want to have your disclosure, right? There needs yeah. to be investors need to get me to have the disclosure and then make the decisions what they want to do. And 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 I and I will say to you know, to investors as well, you know, you need to look at the track record and and look at those deals and not just hey, if a guy has one little speed bump, you run the other way, sure, right? But you want to ask, right? You know, where you want to ask them and talk to them, and and ask them about those deals. Okay, what happened? Was the due diligence done? How are you handling this? And actually, you might learn a lot. Yeah. And it might might be a deal went bad, but they did everything right. They did the due diligence right. And are they hustling? Are they working hard to solve these problems? You know, this is this is what, as a passive investor, you pay your general partner to do. Right. They're out, or they're one. They're running ahead of the issues. You know. Yeah. They, there's not a single deal. You know, there is rare that you have a deal that everything goes exactly like you plan and the, and without ever inter- any intervention. So well, what we do as general partners is we're, we're, we're running ahead of the deals. We're looking ahead. Are we meeting the numbers? If we're not, you know, how serious is it? And we're, 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 we're working those problems. We're solving those problems before they ever become big problems. And we're figuring things out and we're communicating to investors. And that's what you want to know is, are your GPs working for you? Yeah. Are they hustling? Are they on this? Do they know what's happening and are they solving the problem, right? There's for sure always going to be issues, for sure. Right. The question is, you know, is your GP working these things? So I, I think don't just, if there's a negative deal, don't just run the other way, but go ask the questions and do a deeper dive. Absolutely. I think it's a great point. And one of the things I, I tell people all the time when they're, evaluating other sponsors, you know, they're always asking, what are the questions I should be asking to do my due diligence, right? As a passive investor, you are at a disadvantage sometimes because a lot of times you don't have the ability to go run the background checks yourself or go and, you know, do a deep dive into the underwriting models or the track records, or maybe you're trusting a platform like this and they're actually excluding information that should be critical in your investment decision. But what I always say is a very simple question you can ask is, you know, tell me about the deals that didn't go according to plan, right? Ask a sponsor. Because first red flag is if they say, oh, we've never had a deal that that, that didn't go uh, bad. Well, they either haven't been doing any deals or they're lying, right? right? Because inevitably there's going to be deals that don't go, go according to plan, you know, both positive and negative. But then the next question is, well, 
What are you doing to uh, proactively manage that? What what went wrong? How are you mitigating the risk? And what are you doing to make investors whole, right? If, if there is any kind of potential loss or, or an issue of that. And so it's important to see how they react, right? Because the character of, you know, a person or a sponsor is not going to be revealed in the deals that go well, but in the ones that you don't go well, seeing how they respond to that is actually a very, very good indicator right. of what they're going to do in those situations. If they're playing coy and hiding and not wanting to talk about that. It's, it's, I would run the other way personally, yeah. you know, yeah. but if they're hustling and you, you know, if they're doing everything that you would expect a, a person be doing, then, then I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't run the other way. A lot of times, you know, you know, those things make us better managers. And like I said, you know, there's, there's always something going wrong. It doesn't mean deals go bad. It just means there's always hiccups, right? Yep. And, um, and you know, that's just the way it is, you know? So I, I had a, I had a personal, you know, encounter, you know, issue with CrowdStreet, you know, uh, just, I made a personal investment as a limited partner in one of their deals. And immediately the deal, they came back with a capital call, like just a couple months after I invested. Which explain, I, explain what happened, what that means for people. Yes, and so, so, so literally they said it was a $55 million construction cost. It was a big hotel they're going to build in Salt Lake City, downtown, beautiful, you know, great, great thing. It was a Marriott, going to be a Marriott. They come back and said, oh, they, we got their pricing in and it's going to be 80 million, not 55 million. So that $25 million budget blow up. And then apparently their lender backed out and the lender was, um, you know, apparently the lender wasn't under, you know, they didn't have a binding, a binding agreement with the lender, which is bizarre. And these are two things that you absolutely do with every real estate deal. You get a, a guaranteed max contract from your from your construction people, and and you get a lender that's committed to the deal and that's not going to back out. You've right. got terms that are committed, and they didn't do either of those things and went and raised, you know, I don't know, you know, maybe twenty twenty five million if I recall, and then they go back into a capital call. Well, the capital call fails. Well, and let me make a little interjection there because one of the things that was interesting that was again a yellow flag was they sent back a new pro forma. Yeah. So the costs have increased by what 30-40%. Their their debt got a lot more expensive. Yeah, the the debt, but surprise second lend their second lien holder stepped up and did the first lien at an incredibly high interest rate. We, right. And this was the before interest costs. rates were, you know, skyrocketing. And surprisingly the pro forma net returns to investors actually went up. Right. Right. So they went up, it, all this bad, but they went up and all they, it was a spreadsheet exercise. Yes. They manipulated their spreadsheet to show if we're going to make lots of money, don't worry about it. And, you know. So then the real issue was when they went back to crowd. So then, so then a so capital call is when you make an initial investment and they go back, hey, we need more money. You got to save the deal. You need more money. Well, so they went back and the, that capital call failed. They didn't make, they didn't raise the additional money through existing investors, you know, no, no big surprise. So then CrowdStreet goes back and makes a brand new offering to investors, not disclosing that this was a failed deal, not disclosing, you know, they said, yeah, we got a blender, they're all on board, not disclosing that this was nosebleed interest rates and that this was a failed deal and with a failed capital call. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I mean, just this, it's really just um, they're pushing so hard to get deals done, and and it's not honest. And 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 you know, so I'm I'm both. I'm a general partner as Aspen Funds. We're a general partner. That means we're responsible for the deal to make sure the deal goes well, and we operate those deals like crazy. And we're a hundred percent 
investor focused. We, you know, we want to make sure investors get paid no matter what. And we're working our tails off to make sure that happens. But I'm also an LP. And so what's interesting is I'm in that deal as an LP and I did I did a little due diligence, but it's nothing like what I do as a general part. Right. Right. So when we're general partners, we we invest easily high six figures into every deal doing doing investor background checks, sorry, operator background checks. We look at their operating history. We look at their teams. We go on site. We visit them as an operator. We, we go do, we go do pro formas. We do projections and we build up our own. We do our own projections. We don't take theirs. We actually start our, build our own. We do our own market research, original market research into their markets. We do, we look at their track record and, and we, we really ask a lot of questions on those things. And it's simply a lot of time and money that as an individual, I didn't do as an LP. Right. And you can't do as an LP. You really can't afford to do that, you know? So, you know, uh, you know, I'm in the same boat and I understand what it is to be, to be an L- LP. And so what does that mean? Does that mean that we shouldn't do any private alternatives, right? And the truth is private alternatives are far, far superior, you know, even, even with these little potential issues. You know, but you have to trust somebody, right? And so, so you know, hey, you know, talk about that. Hey, you know, what, yeah. Well, I mean, how do you pick? I, I mean, I, I had another experience too with Crash Street, completely separate from you, and this was several years ago. And this was when they were kind of just up and coming, and you know, making a big splash in the crowdfunding space. I mean, these guys have raised four billion dollars from invest from retail high, from retail investors. I mean, they're one of the biggest players in this space. And, you know, we were looking at at one point getting, you know, some of our deals up on the platform and just, you know, evaluating what that would look like. And so I was talking with one of the reps and, you know, it was, it was interesting kind of how their model worked and all that. You know, it's definitely, uh, it was a, set up as a brokerage. So they were actually, you know, paid their broker dealers and getting paid for the amount of equity that they raised. That's how they got paid. And then I just asked, you know, how are you guys funded? How are you guys capitalized, right? Is this bootstrapped or venture capitalized? And uh, it was venture capitalized. They had just done like their Series A or Series B round. They'd raised a lot of money, and I think when we were talking, they just raised another round and a huge amount of capital that they had raised. And then he went on to share some of their kind of goals and what they were trying to raise capital-wise. And it was just it was so interesting because it really struck me that their number one motivation was the dollars in the door sales was sales and. You can see how that played out. Obviously, fast forward a few years of seeing this when they when it came to an issue of well, do we choose to disclose this, or would that potentially hurt the amount of capital that we're going to raise? You know, that's that's what trumps, right? When you're venture capitalized, and you've actually had experience with venture capital money in your tech firm, right? It's to me, it's a pretty big red flag, right? right? And because the incentives are totally misaligned. misaligned. And and before we hit that point. You know, you may not know. Uh, maybe you do if you've listened to this podcast for a while. I actually ran a venture capitalized firm in the in the late '90s and raised forty four million dollars in venture capital and did an A, B, and a C round, and then um, and 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 had one of kind of a very famous, well known venture capitalist uh, join in first and and really I you know teach me all about VC. Well, here's here's the way VC works: is basically they just they supercharge your business. They they just pour gasoline all over you and light you on fire <laughs> and and you either blow up or you blow up you know and one or the other and they don't care which really it's right. like you know five percent of the time it works 
95% of the time it, it, it fails. They have one in 20 deals that, that achieves their goals of 100x kind of, mm. kind of you know, um, returns. And, the, and that one deal does, that, you know, means all the other deals are basically irrelevant. And so they don't care if you 2x or 3x or 10x. That, that's irrelevant to them. They want the 100x. And that's their model. Yeah. It's just light you on fire. And so, and so, so then they became, you, you know, an organization becomes sales focused and, uh, and, and first. And so it's super important to find, you know, I, I believe as, as limited partners, we have to trust people. You have yeah. to trust yeah. people. There's simply no way around it. You cannot do six figures of due diligence, you know, on every deal you do. You have to trust people. And so who do you trust? Who do you trust? Right. And I think, you know, I mean, there, there's a few things that, that I would say are pretty critical that are probably the, the top questions you can ask, the top things you can look at. They'll get you 80, 90% there, right? And I think the biggest one is is take a step back and just look at the alignment of interests, right? Do Is the way that the deal is structured favorable to investors first and prioritize right. investors, right? Are the, are the fees, you know, in, in line with market? Is the waterfall, how cash flow gets distributed, you know, pre, uh, preferring investors? And then- I think the biggest thing of all is skin in the game, right? And this is something that's thrown around a lot, but it is simply the best measure and best proxy for alignment of interest that there is, is are the, are the general partners investing as LPs into the deal that they're presenting to you, right? right. And I guarantee you, the general partners of Cross Street were not investing in every deal. They right. probably definitely didn't invest in Nightingale, you know, deal. So, so w- when we sponsor deals as general partners, now we we generally will take some upfront fees, and generally, hopefully, we're trying to recover a little bit of our due diligence costs. But that's not where we're making our money. Where we are making our money as general partners is the back end. Yes, the performance of the deal after our investors are getting paid. So after they're earning their preferred returns and everything else. Then if we've done a good job, then 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 we're going to get paid, and and that's the way you know. So our incentives are aligned, right? If yes, if we're paid on the back end, not the front end. Versus if I'm paid on the sale, you know, then that's not necessarily a, a good thing. And the, and then the second thing, as you mentioned, you know, one of our standards from the beginning, every deal we do, our 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 uh, partners in in our in our management company all invest in the deals and we invest on the same terms as limited partners. Yep. And so I'm a limited partner in all my deals and and so is every one of our partners. And so we we you know we really care. It matters to us to that these deals go well and we're we've always been really it's our culture is a hundred percent investor focus. We want to make sure our investors win. We're we're our growth as a as a management company is secondary to our investors winning. And yeah. we're going to make sure they, they win. And so you want to make sure your incentives are aligned. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's probably the biggest one. Incentives, um, you know, skin in the game, how much you know capital they put in personally to where it's going to cost them if the deal doesn't go well. You know, we've talked about track record a little bit, right? And I think it's important, you know, to to ask about the, those deals that didn't go according to plan. And if they're an operator worth any salt, they're, they're tracking, you know, what is what was my pro forma and what is the actual performance and where's the difference and what's the cause of that and how are we, you know, managing to that, right? You can see some of those things. And then one of the best things I think you can do too is just look at the historical reporting of their other deals, right? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times I've, I've heard people invest in a deal. There's a lot of interest, a lot of excitement, a lot of, you know, urgency to get in the deal. And then as soon as the, the wire is sent, you know, the check's been sent for the deal, the uh, operator doesn't send any updates and you know they don't hear from them for 
multiple quarters or even a year longer, right? And so it's how consistent is the communication so you know what's going on, right? And I think that's another really big thing is you can look at, you know, show, show me all the reporting from, from past deals and past operations. And so, again, there's there's a disadvantage, but it is, you know, finding those people that you can that you can trust by doing some of these basic level, you know, due diligence and, and uh, just dip the toe in, start small, right? Build that trust in over time. Um, and, you know, the, the, the thing that Cross Street did so well, you know, to their detriment was, they created a lot of urgency, a lot of scarcity sometimes in these deals. And it was, you got to go now or it's gone, right? You click on a deal and the button doesn't refresh fast enough and it's gone. You feel like you're missing out. And so it it forces you to kind of, you know, maybe truncate the due diligence process because you feel like you're missing out. And yeah. as an investor, it's always okay to wait. To wait. But but don't let this dissuade you from yes. from private alternatives. They are so far superior, far less volatile, far, far, far more, far better returns. And... Um, you know, but what you can't do if you're doing a, you know, one syndication, you don't want to just own one apartment complex, you know, so make sure you sprinkle your money around several deals and, and, and go slow. It's okay to go slow. We have a lot of investors that may have millions to, to place and they'll put 50,000 with one deal and they just watch how we get, and that's really fine. It's your money and make sure you don't have to sleep at night, but, but, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, don't don't let it don't let it don't let it slow you down. Yeah, love it. Well, we always appreciate uh, you guys listening, and especially on this segment of the series. If you ever have questions that you have about you know evaluating deals or different things going on in the market or different uh, thoughts that you have or questions you have, feel free to reach out. We actually have a spot on our uh, website, thebillionairepodcast.com at the top, where you can uh, submit a question. And uh, we'll see it and we may uh, choose to respond to it in a future episode. So appreciate you all listening and hope you got some, some value out of this episode.